Well, good morning, Life Church. It really is great to uh, see each one of you this morning and uh, grateful for the opportunity we have together uh, to gather together on a weekly basis. And I uh, just want to say thank you uh, so much for being here and being so faithful, especially during the summer months. Yes, where it's so nice and chilly outside and uh, it's beautiful. Um, a couple of things we need to take care of. Uh, many of you might have heard um, Pastor Robert Smith, who in, in a lot of ways is really the founding pastor of what is now Life Church Utah. Back, it has a long, long history here, beginning in Kearns, uh, Kearns Assembly of God, and then moving over here to Valley Assembly of God, name change a number of years ago to Life Church uh, Utah. Uh, but he passed away a couple of days ago, um, and uh, not entirely unexpected. He's been in failing health for quite a while. Uh, his wife passed away uh, back, I think it was last, uh, last fall, and uh, Boy, we are just praying and uh, praying for the family, mourning with them, and it really is a, uh, he really is a treasure for the kingdom of God. And uh, really what is planted um, here was, was an original vision in Kern's Assembly of God so many years ago, uh, starting with just a handful of people. And uh, so grateful for what, for what God has done uh, through really all the decades uh, of ministry. And so uh, there will be a memorial service for him uh, this Friday at 1 p.m. here at Life Church in the Multipurpose Room. And uh, just a time to gather together for those certainly who know uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor Smith and his legacy, and just want to invite you to be here 1 p.m. Uh, Friday, and I uh, would love to have you uh, be a part of that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, right? I am, I've been here for about, uh, what are we, going on almost three years now uh, that uh, my family and I uh, made our way out here. And to know that we are standing really on the shoulders of some incredible, uh, some incredible pastors that have preceded us. And uh, I did not know Pastor Robert very well, uh, but knew him just from a few interactions uh, through the years, but really appreciate the, the foundation that he laid uh, for Life Church Utah. So, um, hey, this last week, uh, Shelly, and I had the opportunity to uh, head over to Camp Cedar Edge, uh, which is near Delta, Utah, Delta, Utah, not near Delta, Utah, <laughs> Delta, Colorado, uh, out on the uh, western slopes of Colorado. And uh, we wanted to go out there and be a part of camp for at least one night. We got to sleep in an air-conditioned hotel. They got to suffer in a non-air-conditioned uh, place that they got to sleep. So uh, I'm going to invite uh, Landon Wells to come up here, and we're going to just talk really brief. Let's give a hand to Landon uh, today. You know, our youth ministry is incredibly important to us, and I mentioned a few minutes ago uh, some exciting news. I can't share with you quite yet, but I will be sharing with you uh, here very, uh, very, very soon. Uh, but, uh, but our youth ministry is incredibly important, right? Uh, our families associated with our youth, incredibly important, and we want to be able to pour into them. And so I wanted to give a moment for Landon, just kind of share a little bit about uh, camp for you and kind of what the experience was and kind of a testimony, I think, that we all are able to share in. So go ahead. Oh, yeah. So camp was really cool. It was cool and notice his voice is shot because he was screaming the entire time at camp. So No, but it was really cool to go see how many kids' lives were changed because of God and everything. Yep. And so when we were there, so for the fine arts for youth, we went to somewhere, church, whatever. But <laughs> We were able to give $40,000 in total throughout all the weeks for fine arts. And then we went to camp, and we were able to give a $40,000 check to missionaries to go to Turkey. Yeah. And they needed a car. For... 
so real quick, let me, let me just clarify real quick. That's through Speed the Light. Speed the Light is a missions organization that Life Church has given to for many, many, many years. Uh, and it's student-led through the youth ministry, raising funds uh, for missionaries for things like vehicles, and uh, pr- primarily vehicles and mode of transportation. And so they work together through all, the, uh, through all the youth in Colorado and Utah to be able to raise that money. And then there was a challenge put out uh, because there's another project that Speed the Light is working on here for, um, for the girls, uh, for the 180 girls ministry over in Tooele. So there was a challenge that was put out for that. Yeah, so there was a church that I went to the first week camp, and they said, if the third week camp gets $5,000, we're going to double that. And we were able to give like $5,000 and like $1.25, but... <laughs> So $5,001 they raised to be able to have that doubled by another church. Yeah, but man, a lot of your kids eat a lot of candy. I mean, they eat a lot of candy. And so for my birthday, I got like $40 from my grandma. And if I didn't give all that, because I gave all of it to off to speed the light, but if I were to go buy candy and ice cream and chicken tenders and triple cheeseburger, which is kid eight, which is not a fun week for him, but... Um, if I weren't able to give that $40, we wouldn't have made our challenge for $5,000. That's right. That's right. So, That's it was just really a really cool experience to go and see how many kids' lives were changed by camp. So I really encourage you to bring your kids next year to go to camp. Their yep. lives can be changed. Awesome. Thank you so much, Landon. Appreciate you, man. The, uh, the, the, the great thing, and, and I appreciate what he just said there concerning the $40. When I was a teenager... My 40 bucks would have been spent on candy and the triple cheeseburger. I mean, I'm just being totally brutally honest with you, right? And yet he was looking at that going, God, I feel like you gave this to me for a bigger purpose, a bigger reason, and entrusting that. And I appreciate that, uh, Landon. And I think that's a word for all of us, right? That God entrusts us with more than we deserve. And uh, where are we investing that uh, in the kingdom? And so I appreciate that, Landon. And so um, super excited with Speed the Light. Uh, I believe that with those offerings, uh, they were able to, uh, through Speed the Light, raise enough to cover the price of a new van for uh, the 180 Girls Ministry. And so super excited for that. And uh, right, the $40 matter. Every little bit matters and things like that. So uh, just so grateful. And then before I begin the message, and uh, I probably won't get, I've got like nine pages of notes. There's no way I'm going to make it through it all. So I'm just going to blow it all out. So here we go. Um, A few weeks ago, Actually, two things. A few weeks ago, we had um, the, the, daily, uh, the daily bread uh, message talking about the needs that we have, and God is able to meet them. And so we took all of those requests that were listed down there, and page after page, front and back after page of needs that, that are represented by this congregation as a staff. We've been praying over them on Wednesdays from 11 to 1. This list is available here if you would like to come pray on Wednesdays during that time. And all of these needs are here and they represent your hearts, your trust to the Lord saying, God, these are desperate needs that we have in our life and we need to see you come through. And there are some heartbreaking things that the Lord is working through in your families, uh, uh, in job situations, uh, things with marriages, right? And we just want you to know that we're praying for you, believing God to meet every single one of these needs and pour out his abundance, right? And so uh, this is a thank you for trusting the Lord in your prayers, right? That's ultimately what it comes to. God, in faith, we present to you the things that we can't control in order believing for you to answer us, to hear our hearts cry and to be able to respond. And uh, then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about forgiveness, 
And uh, how many, how many of, for you, that was a tough, uh, tough message to deal with forgiveness, right? And I heard from a number of you how hard this was uh, to, to forgive. And I thought about doing a whole other message on forgiveness. I'm going to wait a little bit longer to, uh, to do that. But let me just say a couple of things because I, I, I want to deal with this. Uh, number one, I know it is tough to forgive people who have hurt you especially people for whom you don't, you, you know there's not going to be reconciliation, right? For you to just take that step. But here's, and I was talking to somebody about this when they were kind of expressing the, the frustration that it was taking in their own heart to be able to, uh, to forgive somebody. And what he arrived at was, it didn't feel good. It was hard to do, but I wanted to be obedient to, to do what I knew was right, and so as Jesus said there to forgive from the heart, this individual did that. And they said, kind of similar to, uh, to what Miles had shared, um, that there was just kind of an openness in their spirit to the Lord that they had not experienced. And I just want to encourage you, if you find it difficult to forgive, that's good, <laughs> right? Because that, that recog- that, what that says is that it's going to take trust in God to go that next step. And uh, today's message, I think, is going to help you a little bit with taking that next step and realizing uh, that God does something in our lives when we take that next step, especially when it is sometimes just out of obedience that we do that. So uh, we are all in this reality together when it comes to forgiveness. We are all in this together. And there are times when it hurts to forgive, uh, but that represents the best time to forgive because we're trusting the Lord and we're obedient to him. So I just wanted to share that with you. We'll probably go into much greater detail at a later time dealing with forgiveness because I do know how difficult it is uh, to do that. Now, because at Life Church Utah, we believe in doing squats, I'm gonna invite you to stand uh, to your feet again and get your exercise today. Uh, We're going to be reading uh, today out of the uh, contemporary English version of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, It's a translation for young readers, really it's English, and also for those for whom English is a second language. So if you know somebody uh, who is uh, um, maybe a a non-English speaker and they're learning English, the contemporary English version is actually a great version to help them uh, when it comes to the Word of the Lord. So I encourage you, go out and get a copy of it or let them know that on the Bible app or something like that. So here we go, Matthew chapter chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, and we've been doing this now from the beginning of the, of the series, reading together the Lord's Prayer in different versions. So here we go out of the CEV today, and uh, repeat with me. Our Father in heaven, help us to honor your name. Come and set up your kingdom so that everyone on earth will obey you as you are obeyed in heaven. There we go. Give us our food for today. Forgive us for doing wrong as we forgive others. Keep us from being tempted and protect us from evil. Amen and amen. All right, you can be seated. So I have heard it said, and I'm sure you have as well, God will not give you more than you can handle. How many of you have heard that phrase? How many of you have held on to that phrase? God will not give me more than I can handle. But I'm not sure if that's true. Sorry. (laughs) No, not sorry. Not at all. Not one bit. Uh, Because the reality is I believe a little bit different than this. And so we're going to look to math. How many of you love math? Anybody love math? 
Yes, all right, a few. How, yes, how many of you despise math and wish it was never here? Okay, good, 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 good. You're in good company. All right, so here we go. When our children are learning math, where do they start? Right, with things like one plus one equals what? Two. Two. <laughs> Somebody said four. Two plus two equals? All right, and if we multiply two times two, I always love that one, two times two, it's the same as two plus two, and that's so exciting. Um, they can handle that, or can they? Because really, you have to even go back a little bit deeper into that and understand that there are concept- you have to conceptualize what zero is and what one is and begin to understand that. So by the time they get to two plus two, they've already been stretched because then they have to know what one is. They have to know, you know what I'm saying? And so there's a stretching that happens as they learn. And once by rote, usually, the times tables are memorized. Remember that in high school and junior high, or actually probably junior high, had to memorize the times table up through 12, as if numbers stopped after 12. I don't know why they stopped at 12, but they stopped at 12, right? And uh, once you learn that, that's all you'll ever need to know concerning math. Not really. Especially if you choose to go on into college, and uh, maybe for some of you who love math, you went beyond the college and went for like a second degree after that, um, because after those numbers come together, then it's various equations, imaginary numbers, negative integers, binomials, and all of this stuff. It is way more than they can handle. So why teach it? Because we have to learn. We have to be stretched. Um, so we have to start somewhere. So in order to get to this, this is a wonderful equation. Einstein's theory of relativity. E equals mc squared. Energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. It's fantastic. Do you get to that by knowing one plus one? That's a good start. But in order to get to there, you have to be stretched beyond what you can handle. You have to be given tests that at some times, you're not going to know all the answers to that test. And you might even fail. But in order to get to this, you've got to start at the very beginning. Next one here, this is the the foundation of calculus. Right there. It's so incredibly difficult, it's invisible. (laughs) No, we have one. I'm not sure what happened to it. But it is this equation. I never, I did pre-calculus in high school. I never went on to calculus because the Lord loves me, (laughs) right? And uh, so, but in order to learn these higher mathematical functions, you have to be taken out of your comfort zone. You have to be pushed harder than you think you can be in order to learn and to grow. And I think this can help us in our spiritual life as well. God will never give you more than you can handle. Then you're never growing. You can only face challenges that you have already faced because that's exactly what that phrase says. That you can only face up to what you already know. You're no longer operating in faith, but now you're operating in certainty. And pretty soon, you feel like you can do it on your own. I can handle this. I can do this. It feels good, but we become really stagnant in our spiritual lives. 
Now, I'm not going to spend the whole message talking about that phrase uh, that we, uh, we tend to say, and I have said that phrase I don't know how many times in my life, and God was really challenging me on it for this message. So there's this guy named Abraham. He's making his way up the mountain. His son Isaac was traveling behind him, probably a young adult at this time. Oftentimes in the story, and uh, uh, it's found in the, the book of Genesis, um, we often picture Isaac as being just like a young child, but he really wasn't. He was probably a young adult at this time probably late teens, maybe even early 20s at this time, carrying the wood, asking his dad, uh, Dad, where is, the, uh, where is the sacrifice? Abraham is strangely silent as they continue to walk up this mountain. You see, because um, Abraham was asked by God the following in Genesis chapter 22. So after these events, after these promises that God had given to Abraham, God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, Abraham answered, I'm here. God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him up as an entirely burned offering there on one of the mountains that I will show you. That is a tough command from the Lord. How many of you find that strange? Right? And I'm with you, right? It's, it's strange for us to wrap our heads around this kind of a command being given to Abraham. This is more than I can handle, way more than I can handle. Isaac was to be the chosen one, just like Anakin. Okay, fine. Star Wars reference, woo! Um, Isaac was to be the one through whom the blessings of God were going to be flowing, not only to the future nation of Israel, but to all of the world. And yet here is Abraham walking with knife in hand in order to take his son up to the top of Mount Moriah and to kill his son and offer his son as a sacrifice to God. I am sure that there's a conversation going on in Abraham's mind. God, are you sure about this? Did I hear you correctly in what you're asking me? Have you ever had those conversations with God before? God, are you sure? This is that stretching beyond what you can bear. That's what that is. And if we say, God, you can never give me more than I can handle, we don't have those internal conversations anymore. Because we don't have to worry, right? But instead, Abraham is in this position going, God, did I really hear you tell me this? Step after step, up the mountain of Moriah until they reach the top, taking the wood from his son Isaac, binding his young adult son to the altar, taking out a knife to slay his own child. That's more than I can handle. I'm sure Abraham was saying that. Jesus had just come up out of the water. There was this voice of God speaking down to him. This is my beloved son. The, the Holy Spirit represented by the dove uh, kind of coming down and alighting on uh, Jesus at that, at that moment. The crowd was in wonder as Jesus rises from the Jordan River. And from that spiritual high point, it says immediately in, the, in Luke chapter 4, it says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and faced, faced, and faced trials and temptations for 40 days 
in the desert right after an incredible spiritual moment between he and the Father. 40 days without food, Jesus is kind of vulnerable. One day without food, I'm vulnerable. <laughs> right? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, and step by step through these barren places, Jesus faces the temptations thrown his way. The evil one comes to Jesus, right? Almost it appears very physical kind of confrontation, confronting Jesus with all of these promises that were promised to the Messiah. How is Jesus going to face up under those things? Well, Jesus takes the words that he knew to be true and applies them in a brand new way in the middle of this trial. And from those moments, it says of Jesus that he learned through what he suffered, right? It says that in, in, in the book of Hebrews, he learned, right? Jesus learned. He was in a growing process. When he's facing this trial, he's in this position where he's facing more than he can handle. Right? And he could have given up in any one of those moments. He could have given in to the trial and the temptation that the enemy was throwing. These are very real temptations. Otherwise, they're not. <laughs> and in those moments, he takes the word of God that was in him, turns them back into the face of the evil one, and Jesus grows. Grows larger every time. And what happens right after? Right after this testing in the wilderness, right after these trials in the wilderness... Jesus shows up in a synagogue and begins proclaiming, this is the year of the Lord's favor. I have been anointed by him to preach the good news, to free the captives. And all of this, I believe, is from out of that moment where Jesus is stretched beyond what he can handle and he grows. As Abraham looks up, knife in hand, he sees a ram caught in a tree not too far distant from where he is and realizes after the angel says, stop, <laughs> that this is now provided by God. And Abraham grows in the middle of this trial that was too much for him to bear. And in those next several steps, those are the best steps of Abraham's life. <laughs> Right as he takes that knife away from his son and he turns it on to that sacrifice that was given for him in that moment for his son. God comes through and God stretches us beyond what we can bear. So have you ever been tested in your faith? Have you ever come up against a circumstance where you feel like, I can't handle this? Right? This is common for all of us, and it is the best place for us to be. So Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, he continues to challenge us this week, and at the end of the prayer, for most, uh, most of the versions that we have, uh, Jesus' final part of the prayer contains these two final us statements. The first one, well, I'm going to read from a couple of different versions. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 13, out of the New, New English Translation. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some just say the word evil, deliver us from evil. This says, from the evil one. The complete Jewish Bible says, and do not lead us into hard testing, but keep us safe from the evil one. Next version, New Century Version, and do not cause us to be tempted, but save us from the evil one. And then the last one out of the modern English version, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
And as you can see, though, there's a couple of different ways to look at what Jesus is actually praying here. And scholars, as they have tried to look at it and say, all right, what is, what is actually being stated here? Uh, we got to unpack this, and I'm going to have to be very, very quick uh, on this. So we have a problem with this first phrase that's there, and do not lead us into temptation. Because the Bible clearly says in James chapter 1, verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So, so how, do we, how do we translate and how do we work through that phrase? Because that can be, how many of you are confused by that, lead us not into temptation? It's like, well, of course God's not going to lead us into temptation, right? So what is actually being, uh, being said here? So we've got to look into the context of what Jesus is saying. Um, the word here uh, in Greek that is translated temptation can also be translated like we heard from one of the versions just said a moment ago as trials or as testings. And the heart that's given here, because really this phrase is kind of a rhetorical statement by Jesus, what is actually being stated here, if we kind of reverse it a little bit, uh, which we're able to do because uh, because of the Greek, it says this, basically, Lord, help me succeed in the time of difficult testing. That in reality is, is, is really close to the heart of what's being stated. It's not a direct translation, but this is kind of the heart that is being expressed in that prayer that Jesus is praying. And so here then is one of the great and precious truths about temptation. Temptation is not designed to make us fall, or these trials are not designed to make us fall. Temptation is designed to make us stronger and better men and women of God. What is, uh, what's, what's it say um, in the book of James? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of different kind because these trials are there for a purpose, to produce within us hope, right? To mature us in our faith. We are meant to be stronger and finer. In one sense, temptation is not so much the penalty of being human, It's the glory of being human. How about we turn this whole temptation thing upside down and recognize that anytime there's a temptation and trial and challenge in our life, that this is a trial, a temptation, a moment for us to recognize this is an opportunity to grow. This is not an opportunity to fail. It's an opportunity for us to trust the Lord more than we did because I can't do this on my own. Um, so nothing gives temptation, it says by William Barclay, said that nothing gives temptation its chance like overconfidence. At our weakest and our strongest points, we must always be on our guard. If I think I can handle it, then I can't. You ever feel that way? <laughs> I've got this, I open up the refrigerator and I have an apple or I've got my double stuffed Oreos. Lord, in this moment, I ask for wisdom. What do you want me to take into my body? Yes, Lord, Oreos it is, <laughs> right? <laughs> if I feel like I can handle this thing, I am guaranteed to fall. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No trial has overtaken you that is not faced by others. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tried beyond what you are able to bear. 
Now, keep in mind what I said earlier about that statement, right? Um, But with the trial, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to endure it. Because that statement there, he will not let you be tried beyond what you're able to bear. That statement is what gives birth to that idea, right? That God's not going to give me more than I can handle. But remember, that's from God's perspective, not yours. From my perspective, I can't do this. But it's not from my perspective. This is from God's perspective. God won't give you more than you can handle. And what I have found in my life is that I would like for the trials and the temptations to stop way before they usually do because God knows what I can handle. And the only way for me to grow in my spiritual life is during those trials, during the temptations, during the challenges of my life. And here's the thing, because the next phrase that Jesus leads to after dealing with this idea of temptations and the, or the trials in our life, the phrase, well, actually, let me, let me say this before I get to there. Uh, instead of saying, God will not give me more than I can handle, let me, let me give you another thing maybe to hold on to. Maybe start saying this, God will give me more than I can handle to mature my faith. God will give me more than I can handle to mature my faith because God knows what we can handle. And he's gonna see us all the way through, all the way out from underneath the trials, the temptations, the challenges that we are facing. Because we know we can't do this on our own. If we try to do it on our own, we rely on our own willpower, our willpower will fail. Thus the Oreo cookies that are completely eaten right now, except for like one or two that are in there because I'm disciplined not to eat the entire pack in one sitting, right? We can't rely on willpower. We cannot rely on our own ability because distractions will come (laughs) and will lead us away from what God wants us to do. So what does Jesus point to when facing the temptation, the trial? He continues on in that prayer, this one final phrase, but deliver us, save us, rescue us. When we get to that point, when we feel like we are beginning to collapse under the pressure of what we are facing, we continue that prayer and say, God, I need your help right now. That's the growth point. That is the point at which your faith begins to take that next step forward. For some of you, it is that next leap forward. And I've got to tell you, this week, I knew this message was coming. And I feel like in my own life that this week has been filled with more internal trials. And I have fought in a long time. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is more than I can do. This is more. And I've been challenged in my own life to go, okay, God, deliver me from the evil one who is fighting so, so hard. And so many of you now with this knowledge, right, with with understanding of what Jesus is actually praying in this thing, you are gonna recognize in your own life this week, there are gonna be trials that will crop up in your life that are unexpected. There are gonna be things that the enemy is gonna throw your way and in the middle of it, Friends, we've got to be the people who are willing to grow and say, God, I am struggling right now. I'm in a position where I feel like this is more than I can handle. And the Lord says, I've got you. 
continue that prayer one extra step because I'm going to help you grow in the season of trial in your life. You're not going to fall. You're not going to fail. You will pass the test because you're going to continue that prayer that says, Lord, deliver me from the evil one. Deliver his, from his influence in my life. Oh man, there's so much more on this. Um, but there's a responsibility that we have when it comes to temptations and trials. Don't put yourself in them. Right? Don't put your, if you struggle with lust, don't put yourself in a position where lust is inevitable to happen. Right? And you say, oh God, where's this trial coming from? Well, you looked at your phone. You looked on the computer when you were alone in the room. You, you, you put yourself in a position that's very, very different than those trials that come from the Lord to cause us to grow, right? Those temptations can cause us to fail if we put ourselves in them. The alcoholic, don't put yourself in a position like don't meet your buddy at a bar. Oh, I'll be strong. No. In a marriage that's already struggling, don't put yourself in a position where you've got this illicit conversation going on by text. It's harmless. No. Let's be smart and disciplined in the way that we live our lives. Don't throw onto God the trials and temptations we put in our own life. But God wants us to grow. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we uh, close out. And so we pray, deliver me from this trial of addiction. Rescue me from the lust that attacks at night. Restore what the enemy has destroyed in my life because I thought I could do this on my own. When I'm facing an ethical battle, Lord, help me turn to you. When facing unforgiveness again and I'm tempted to, burn, to turn bitter, Lord, deliver me. Help me to grow in you. So Father, we stand in this position where God, we need to grow. God, we stand in a position where we've got to trust you with our lives. So you're here this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I, I, I know I'm in the middle of a trial, a difficult circumstance, uh, a challenge. I know that temptation is waiting for me when I walk outside these doors. And you would say, I just need the strength to know that it's okay to be facing this trial because I know that God is going to be victorious in me. If that's you and you'd say, I just need God's help to deliver me from what I know is coming in my life. Can you just lift your hand really quickly? Thank you. Thank you. Wow, lots of hands up, lots of hands up. Folks, we're in a position where this world is filled with these trials and these difficult circumstances, and we need the Lord's help. Father, you see every single one of these hands that are raised. For some of them, God, these are ongoing battles in their life. Father, for some of them, they, they're, they're aware enough of their own life to recognize that there are battles that are yet to come in their life, and those things might happen even this afternoon. Lord, help us, just like the prayer of Jesus for the Lord's Prayer. God, that in those moments when we feel the trials are piling up, Lord, I thank you that you are not a God who leaves us without the ability to have strength from you. And Lord, that strength is that prayer, deliver us from the evil one. 
Deliver us from the one who is a liar. Deliver us from the one uh, who is pure evil. Deliver us from the one who is accusing us. Deliver us from the one who is uh, attempting to destroy our lives, to steal our joy. And God, help us to turn our hearts towards you because Lord, your word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So Father, I pray for everyone whose hands have been raised, that Lord, you give strength in the middle of the trial. Help us to recognize, God, that you will give us more than we can handle because, Lord, you are wanting us to grow in you. And so, Lord, help us to grow, to face up under the trial, to face up under the temptation, under the struggles of our life, because, God, you are always there with us by our side. And, Father, as we grow, we recognize that we become more like Jesus. We become more like him uh, who is our desire to imitate and so, Lord, help us, Lord, as the people of God here at Life Church Utah, to recognize, God, that you have called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like you. And so, Lord, help us to be undergirded by your strength in the middle of our trial so that we can stand up under it and to trust you with our lives. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. And amen, amen, amen. God is so good to us. So next week is uh, the 4th of July, and so we are uh, excited for, uh, for the 4th of July. We'll be finishing up our series on the Lord's Prayer, and then after that series, beginning a new series on the, uh, the seven miracles that are in the book of John uh, that uh, really can't wait to uh, get into with you, and uh, it's going to be incredible. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here, and we will see you next week. God bless you.